<laughs> sure, leave that in. Good job, you're fucking old. Hi, I'm Karen. And I'm How dare you? And this is Downstage Left, a theater podcast where we talk oh a little, laugh God. a lot, and know nothing. Oh, Karen, every time we do this, we sure. just like make a joke and we're laughing like our butts off. And then we like say, Hi, I'm Karen, and I'm always You're always guard, laughing. And I'm just cracking up. Well, I hate it. <laughs> and hopefully you've left this in, but what I was saying right before we started was, Good job, you're old. Yeah. Guys, I'm not going to give funny. it context. No. I'm just going to let you know that I'm very grateful that Lauren is old. And. Still younger than you, but fine. I mean, barely. No, just kidding. By like by like a decade. Yeah, by nearly okay. a decade. Um, sure. Fine, fine, fine. Speaking of young people. Oh my god! All right. Sure, it was We're a just tough. going right in. We Let's are. Well, we, here's the thing. We've had some good witty bants today and some good good things we talked about lasagna uh oh, yeah, but i think yeah i mean let's get into this one Here we go. uh lauren today we've started um a new quest new quest because guys christopher fitzgerald <sighs> uh, chris fitz to chris, lauren chris fitz. uh has noticed fitz. us so it is time to put that to bed i do encourage anybody though there's lots of great christopher fitzgerald shows out there that mm-hmm. we did not talk about do your research, hit hit a Wikipedia, go chat about it, it. and uh, like get in there. So, um, but today, today we're starting a new quest, and that sure I kind of forgot that was the whole point of this because we kind of just wanted to talk about this musical. But yeah. uh, the new quest is Ali Stroker. Ali Stroker, sure. Ali Stroker has had some recent um, successes uh, with uh, Oklahoma Revival. She was on the show Glee for a hot second. Uh, bef- I think potentially during its sad times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she has also been in a couple other shows. We're gonna talk about, but for the most part today, mm-hmm. we are talking about a show she was in. And Ali Stroker is great. If you guys don't know, she is. Um, uh, an amazing actress and and I think really cool, but she's one of the first uh, wheelchair folks uh, to be on stage in, in in a real place where like not for nothing in a way where Broadway is still trying to work on its inclusivity. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, uh, handy capable people are not necessarily on that list. We like really think a lot about race and those types of things, but we are not necessarily looking at people with disabilities yeah. uh, and how they fit into the fabric of Broadway. Um, and she is somebody who I really see as a person kind of leading the charge on that, whether she means to or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of really cool that she has made it. Um, sure, this is a deeper dive about like what I feel about race and things like that. But I tend to believe um, it's important and it's something that needs to be acknowledged. But I also believe in like... I'm I'm good at something. I'm good at it. Not I'm like oh for an you're an Asian woman good at this. It's like you are good at this period. And I think she's one of those people on stage that is just whatever role she's in, she's great in that role. And not she's like oh she's doing it great as someone in a wheelchair. Like yeah. she's she's really kind of nice. So well, I've seen her in some things on like streaming too. Yeah, like she yep. was in Only Murders in the Building. Yep. Uh, I want to say also Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yep. But I could have made that up. Nope, I, I think that's right. I don't know if that's true. But and uh, she's just great. Uh, and I every time I see her, I'm like delightful. We will learn more about her as we begin our quest. Unless she acknowledges us immediately, like oh yeah, then I'll drop it immediately. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, no, 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 then I'll on. leave immediately. Um, no, but that's it. So yeah, so today, Karen, uh, we are going to discuss uh, Spring Awakening. Absolutely. Okay. So she was for our connection to her. She was in the uh, the London. Uh, West Deaf End production of Spring Awakening. And we will talk specifically about that show, I think, a little bit more when we get there. 
Um, but sure, today we're gonna talk about Spring Awakening. Lauren, what's your ties to Spring Awakening? Oh, uh, I have a, like big ties to Spring Awakening. Sure, you, um, you've been in it. I have. I was in the Michigan premiere of Spring Awakening. Um, in sure when you were young, not now as an old person. Shut up. <laughs> it's a long time ago. Um, it was, but that is how I met my husband. So sure. we played oh. Moritz and Ilsa. He was Moritz, obviously, and I was Ilsa. Sure. Um, what if I was like, who played who? I was Moritz. Um, sure. Oh my God. Is <laughs> that a time. conversation? That's the switch show, That's right? the switch I want to see. Um, so yeah, he played Moritz and I was Ilsa. We had some cool scenes together. Um, cool guy, generally speaking, like I'll keep him, I guess, but, um, that's, <laughs> It's what me. a winning endorsement for Alan during this pod. <laughs> Holy shit. He knows. It's fine. He does know. That's um, true. He doesn't listen much either, so it's also fine. He listens sometimes, but I don't know. Um, it, it, we used some of the Spring Awakening score in our wedding, which was kind yeah. of fun, too. So. I remember that. Um, that was nice. And then you have a connection to Spring Awakening also. Sure. So Fuse did Spring Awakening. I did not direct. I had two awesome student directors in Anna and Noah. Uh, and they directed, and then I did the thing where it was like a little more mentor-ish, mm-hmm. where I would see something and go, maybe we try this, maybe we try something else. Um, but we had an amazing cast for it, and um, probably, I mean, here's the thing, I love all my casts equally, and they're all great. Actually, they are all great. I don't, we've never had a bad cast. No, never. Sure, we just both did the thing where we looked around look my around room, and I was like, building. looking at all my cast photos. No, um, I great. have always had... That was like a homework of the company is just really great casts all around. And but this was no exception. And we had particularly the women in this show were bananas, Uh, just very, very strong. Um, And it was a fun show to do. So I'm adjacent in that way where I've produced it and like mentor directed it a little. Um, And I think it's I think it's an awesome show. Yeah. Um, A a little background. We kind of know. Uh, this is was the star maker for several people that we now know. Um, and, of course, Jonathan Groff, Leah Michelle, and John Gallagher Jr., mm-hmm. who, if you don't know who those people are, like, why are you listening to our podcast? <laughs> no. Like, how did you, you get here? Where, where are you from? Do a quick Google search, sure. and you may recognize their faces, probably. Leah Michelle, obviously, of Glee fame, and, and Jonathan Groff illiterate also. Nature. Karen? We were going to wait. We were going to wait. <laughs> Oh my god, stop. Alleged. Anyway. Alleged illiteracy uh, is fine. Um, sure. We'll, we'll circle back to that later. Jonathan Groff has done everything, but he was yep. ugly for a minute too. Yep. Um, and also, if John you Gallagher seen... Jr., American Idiot. Yeah. I think is his, like, pivotal. I think that's his big thing. Um, but if you haven't seen Jonathan Groff on, um, oh shoot, what's the murder miss? The, not, no. The murderer oh, TV um, show Netflix. Sure. Oh shoot. It's With... Mindhunter. Yes. It's so I think good. So. Yep. I, they only did two seasons of it. And let me tell you, the second season, not, this is not at all on top but they the makeup was real weird and like this one <laughs> sure. was like oh, all the time okay. um it was very strange but excellent very compelling show and he's great on it so highly recommend that yep. if you're into murderers um he's but... also that guy in frozen the voice oh, sure, of Kristoff. Kristoff, yeah. yeah yeah which is like what a shame that they used Kristoff and then didn't have him sing in the first movie nothing sure um, uh it's a lot of that. It's also music by Duncan Sheik, who, for Who's me, breathing. exactly, <laughs> in the 90s, was like a soft rock, pop rock staple. Like a, a two-hit wonder. <laughs> he really was, but then would go on to write this honestly amazing music for the show. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's great. And it's based on an 1891 German play, Spring Awakening, by Frank Wedergeind, um, set in the late 19th century Germany. We will get into the plot, but it's kind of an interesting thing where you're like, why would a 1891 
yeah. a late 19th century novel be a good basis for a show turns out it is it is weirdly i i will say i have a copy of that script at home the sure. original story and i don't i don't think i've ever read it all the way through sure because it's, it's weird it's um, very dry i'm gonna say this is one of those shows for me where we've discussed this many many times um for me to come at it from a music point, like a musical, like I always come music first. Yeah. I love the music to the show. So I think it's also good. I think it's done well. It's a mix of ballads and, and bangers and all the things. Yeah. Um, totally fucked is maybe one of the best bangers oh. and bitch of living are two, one of the Those best are, bangers. Like, my two favorite songs yep. in like the whole show. I think, um, it just really is, is pretty great. So, love it. uh, we're going to get into it. And, uh, I guess, uh, like, warning this is a little bit of a spicier show yeah, and so like content. a little that's more content than adults. normal so if you're um, if you're in middle school or something like please don't listen to this one i don't know like it's listen to it with your parents permission or yeah i mean just go in and know that it's getting weird disclaimer I don't know. we'll it's put a disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah. well it's literally about adolescent sexual awakening so just disclaimer that's what it's called yeah. yeah so there we are uh okay all right let's jump in Let's go. Act one starts with Venlo Bergman, an adolescent in late 19th century Germany, and lamenting that her mother gave her no way to handle things and has not taught her the lessons she's meant to know as a young woman and sings Mama Who Bore Me. The slow version. Sure. So basically, it's the slow single solo version. So essentially, she is lamenting that she does not know about sex and like her body and things like that where babies come from where babies come from and the scene kind of plays out in an interesting way where she like asks kind of her mother and her mother's like oh oh don't ask me about that i can't tell you they come from when a man and you know like the birds and bees stork answer basically yeah and so she sings mama who bore me uh she tells her mother that it's time she learned where babies come from considering she is about to be an aunt for the second time her mother cannot bring herself to explain the facts and con- of, about conception, uh, despite knowing her daughter is reaching puberty. Again, she instead just says, it's, they're conceived when a man, a woman, loves her husband with all her heart. Gross and weird and fine and okay. Well, and it's that thing where, in the context of the timing, and honestly, even now, like, let's be real, that still, like, gets told to... Some church. In the conservative times and places. That's why I have... Okay. <laughs> sure. There are some things that I feel like I shouldn't say that I want to say. Like I'm anti homeschool for this reason. But, oh, sure. All right. Because like I not and I know some. I have some friends that homeschool their kids, and like they're all very well adjusted and they know all the right things. But I'm sure that there's households where this exists and this information is is not shared correctly. And yeah. I am worried about well, that. Well, <laughs> I think there's a difference between being like, you should love who you're with and like that kind of message. Yeah. But if someone is asking about like mechanics nope. in which yeah. you just need to know like simply how do I not become pregnant or like something like that. Well, how does it work? How does it work? That That's like a different thing. So, yeah. um, anyway. yay for internet, I guess. Okay. Oh, well. So, uh, the other young girls in town, Martha... Marta. Sure. I just now was like, sure, what are their names? Marta, Taya, Anna, and Ilsa. Ilsa. Appear to be similarly naive and are upset about the lack of knowledge presented to them. And also in a way where, as women, the knowledge is, like, completely withheld. Yeah. Which is real interesting. And honestly, if you watch Bridgerton recently, a similar plot line happened in that show. I don't watch that show. But, Uh, sure, as always, a real bodice-ripping time. They sing Mama Who Bore Me Reprise. Which is oh, gorgeous. It's so good. It and is a five-part harmony. Five-part harmony, very difficult to sing, yes. but when you nail it, damn does it Sure, our ladies nailed it, in yeah. which I will maybe find some kind of clip and put it online because 
they it was funny because we sat down to do that rehearsal with our music director and these five ladies sat down and they went to go sing it and they're all like oh i have different harmonies than what i normally pick to sing when i sing along with this song (laughs) and so they had to really and literally it took one second of plunk 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 and they got it and so i will maybe try to find a clip and 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 post it but um it's so so good so they sing mama who bore me reprise we cut to at school some teenage boys are studying virgil in latin class Moritz Stiefel, Stiefel, sure, I have forgotten. Yeah. It's just funny when you read it, but, like, you know the names. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very nervous and anxious young man sleepily misquotes a line. The teacher chastises him harshly. Moritz's classmate, the rebellious and highly intelligent Melchior Gabor, tries to defend him, but the teacher will have none of it and hits Melchior with a stick. As you do. Sure. When you're a teacher. An interesting note that I love about this show is that it's all, quote-unquote, kids, teenagers. Yeah. And then there Played are two. Adults, but... <laughs> sure, right. That's a quote. But the two adults in the play are played by one person each, like one woman, one man. Yeah. And I love that, that each adult character, I guess, in the show is the same person. The same face over and over again. I I think it's an interesting commentary on the way that kids are treated. And And how they view adults. And how they view adults. And how the adults view the kids. It's all very interesting. I kind of love it. Yeah. Um, Melchior uh, reflects on the shallow narrow-mindedness of school and society and expresses his interest to change things in the song All That's Known. It is a great song. Great. Um, this is where we kind of get into it. Um, all the they're like talking. Moritz describes a dream uh, he's been ha- keeping him up at night, and Melker realizes that Moritz has been having erotic dreams. Sure, as as you do when you're a youth. You sure, know? but the problem is because of their lack of knowledge, Moritz believes he's going insane. Obviously, the gaslighting in this show. If sure. I'm being honest, my goodness. Uh, Melker who. Of everybody is the most sexually knowledgeable. Yeah, I think in the show he learns he reads because he reads a lot of books. He comforts uh, Moritz and uh, tells him that everybody that's really normal. It's very yeah. common for kids there, boys their age specifically, yeah. for that to happen. Moritz, Melchior, and the other boys, Ernst, Hanschen, Otto, and Georg share their own sexually frustrated thoughts and desires in the song "The Bitch of Living." Oh, that's such a good song. It's su- it the beginning. Bum, bum, bum. The, the beginning so of that iconic. is yeah. so good. Um, wait a minute. So wait, uh, Skylar Essen was also in the original cast. He was he Otto, was Otto, I Otto, right? Yep. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. Uh, Moritz, who is not comfortable talking about the subject of Melchior, requests that he give him the information in the form of an essay, complete with illustrations. Gross. <laughs> sure, which is really interesting. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, the girls all gather, except for Ilsa, which we will explain later. Yeah. But when I did this, I was just a different girl. I like I had my hair in braids for the first sure. half of the show, and I was just wearing a different costume. No, that's fine. And that was fine. Um, they tease each other and fantasize about marrying the boys in town. Marta admits that she has a crush on Moritz, but is also made fun of by the other girls. Sure. Why? Moritz is fine. Moritz is a cool dude. Sure. There's nothing wrong with him. I know. Poor, poor these poor kids. I don't uh, well, Moritz struggles in school more than everybody he does. else. So, so they I, think he's like, like a dumb dumb. Hey, you have a crush on the dumb kid? Sure. I'm stupid. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Kids are weird like that. I don't uh, know. At the top of the list is the radical, intelligent, and good-looking Melchior. Indeed. And they sing My Junk, which okay. is another very fun song. I love this song. I also have to tell you a story. Okay. Um, so when I did this show, our director is this fantastic director in town. His name is Rodell. He's excellent. He uh, is a Filipino man. Okay. And sometimes sometimes the things that he says, like, just the order of words are, like, very oh, funny. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
so um and he's got a very slight accent and he also is like fluent in like three other languages he's a really intelligent person but like he was giving us notes one day and he just goes and this is very very typical for him to ask us questions in notes because he's an excellent director sure but he goes ladies are you enjoying my junk (laughs) oh no we we just lost it we lost our whole well that's (laughs) like one of those things like translated to um like an american context yeah you're just like i'm sorry what now yeah it was very funny and like obviously the intention we got it sure yeah no but the phrasing of the phrasing uh sure my joke is a great song (laughs) and i enjoy it and it's a fun i like it because it's the girls do get like the boys seem to have slightly more like songs that are not like heavy and this is their like fun one where they're just like oh look at me yeah um sure moritz says we cut back to moritz has eagerly digested the essay that melchior prepared for him but complains that his new knowledge has only made his dreams more vivid and torturous i hate that they use the word vivid and torturous sure that's That's paints a picture um more melchior tries to calm him but moritz runs off in frustration and all the boys and girls express their desires for physical intimacy in the song touch me yeah, i don't know if i like this song as much as the rest oh, of them i think but it's i think it's fun it's i also pretty. think here's what i'll say in the deaf version of this show mm. the choreography and the signing of it oh, is sure it's beautiful yeah. it's so beautiful um in a way where it's just i think inherently that comes with like sign language and i'm i'm speaking in my opinion only there's an inherent physicality to it yeah that for this song in particular, where they're singing about touching yeah. each other, themselves, whatever, that physicality lends itself to it and really adds to the song. I think it's kind of cool. Okay. Um, okay. Searching for flowers for her mother, Venla stumbles upon Melchior. The two reminisce on the friendship they once had as children and share a moment while sitting together in front of a tree. Each of them considers what it would be like to give in to their physical desires for one another, singing the word of your body. I will say, too, like, this this Wikipedia, uh, trans, like, synopsis is a little bit more overt than the dialogue is. Like, oh, just for sure. in general, like, they're, like, very much, like, this is almost an analysis of the yeah. dialogue versus, like, they, this is not this overt in the show. Yeah. Obviously, we all know kind of, like, what's going on, but, like, I just want to point that out for anyone that hasn't seen the show. Sure. It's, like, the dialogue is not that racy. Like, it's pretty, like, there's a lot um, of analogy. <laughs> there is. I think the interesting thing about the show is it's, like, for being set in the late 1800s, yeah. it is weirdly, like, topical for now of, like, it's two people who are these two teenagers that are just hot for one another. Mm-hmm. One kind of doesn't know what it is. The other one kind of does, which we can get into that power dynamic later. Yep. Um, and it's just them like trying to figure out like hormones and like attraction and Figuring things like that. Well, um, and like the lack of education in this scenario is the biggest problem. And I'm just sure. going to keep harping on that. Nope. Going. I agree. Well, and we find Die. out some sad consequences later. Yeah. Uh, some spoilers. Spoiler alert. Uh, okay. But they don't at this moment. They like, sure. they're like, Hey, would like to, but we are not going to at this time. Correct. Uh, meanwhile, at school, Mort sneaks a look at his test results and is thrilled to learn that he's passed his midterms exams and tells the other boys, uh, they are all excited except for a skeptical Hanshin. I don't remember that. Dick. I sure, don't but know. I don't remember what the. Is Actually, that a big plot point? I don't think it is. I think so it's either. like all line that's sure, like. Sure, where he's no, just like, it. okay, like, yeah, like whatever. Uh, anyway, um, 
so this is and sure this is when it gets real fucking sad for Moritz. honestly this is where it yeah. because he's he struggles so much he did the thing he's excited he and then really you see this teacher and the schoolmaster claim they cannot pass everyone and decide to fail Moritz anyway deeming his passing grade still not up to the school's lofty standards which honestly is like so sad no. um we cut back to the girls Marta accidentally admits to her friends that her father abuses her physically and sexually and that her mother is either oblivious or uncaring. The other girls are horrified to hear this, but Marta makes them promise not to tell anyone lest she end up like Ilsa, a friend from childhood who now wanders homeless and aimlessly after her similarly similarly abusive parents kicked her out of the house and they sing The Dark I Know Well. This song is like, here's what I'm going to tell you. In which we talk a lot about like songs for women mm-hmm. and how I feel like a lot of times it's either like a belty 11 o'clock number or it's like a fluffy like, oh, I love him, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. This is like one of the meatiest like dig in your heel. Like it's just it's emotionally yeah. such a good song. And the way that it leads up to it is like, and this is something I love that the show does and I think it does it very well. It bounces back and forth between that innocence of childhood and then all of a sudden it's something serious. So, like, it's these girls just, like, ha, 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 playing around. Like, look at the flowers. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they, like, grab her arm and see the bruise. And they're like, what is this? What is happening to you? And they're they're friends, so they're concerned. And she's just like, you guys, it's not a big deal. And and it's like, oh, shit. Like, okay. F. And I think this song is so good dude and also like i said when you have two people who can sing it they like is is gorgeous it is beautiful it's not uh t- terribly difficult to sing no no um which is why i think it is just nice and approachable it's good i mean it's an acting challenge for sure um but it's and it's nice and you know what's funny is like the script does not signify a lot of this like no <laughs> it doesn't nope. signify that uh ilsa had the same experience and that she is no, homeless it, it's shit. a funny thing where they're just like, well, remember what happened to Ilsa? She got sent to the artist colony. Well, Bye. she, I mean, you find out that she's in an artist colony, sure, later. colony later. We played it like Marta and Ilsa were siblings. I also, here's what I thought. I also thought that. I, I don't know if I didn't know they weren't siblings. No, I, because the script does not clarify that. And they don't, it doesn't say, I think it just says you, you Ilsa know went away. To Ilsa. Right. Yeah, and you're away. like, your sister? Yeah. yeah. And well, I agree. we just assumed that they were siblings. Sure. And we played it. Oh, I don't remember the blot. The staging was cool because we had a like a, a built-in second level because it was actually a concert venue. So like sure. I ended up um like sitting on this second Ooh. level and like singing and, like, from above. Oh, it was I love that. Sure, we I made like Ilsa that. like this weird little ghost, like a ghost, yeah. Like, but that's time. you know fun. what though, I kind of viewer like that story checks out to me, so yeah. I feel fine about that. She was cool. Um, sure. And then we get into it. Here we go. I was allowed to sit, just sit anytime I wasn't on stage in the scene. I was just like up above, like watching. Sure, what a creeper. Freaking sweet. Just kidding. It was so good. Uh, okay. So they sing that, <laughs> and it's like a banger. Um, later, mm-hmm. Venla finds Melchior again in the spot in the woods and tells him about Marta's abuse. Melchior is appalled to hear this, but Vendela convinces him to hit her with a switch so that she can try to understand Marta's pain. Now. So here's, here's <laughs> sure. the thing. Well, let's go. Um, like, we'll dive in. Because this is a thing that kids do. This is a part of a part of play and a part of unstructured time for kids is to, to make sense of what they're experiencing right. in the world. So now that I am like experience, I know what that is and I understand how it works. I think part of, 
part of this, the psychology of this is I'm trying to understand and learn and reconcile it. But the fact that Mar- Melchior just does it. Well, um, to be fair to him, he really doesn't want to. Yeah. And she's like, do it, do it. She like gets real. She's like, so it's almost like a pleading because she, she's just sure, it is a pleading part of it. Well, she wants to feel like that's her whole thing is she's like, I want to feel and like that's the piece of it where she's like please i trust you like will you just do this and so it becomes you're right it's more of a pleading moment than it is you know like for her and he eventually laments and uh sure it's like kind of a little bit of a violent time where he does it and then gets carried away it is hard to watch i'm gonna tell you it was hard to block and do that shit yeah um in which you have to have your actors playing Venla and Melchior have to trust each other and there have to be boundaries and there's all those things. Yeah. Um, for I mean, for a lot of reasons, but also the scene. <laughs> sure. Can I tell you in which, I don't think he's listening to us, but our Melchior, who will remain unnamed. Um, Crocs. <laughs> he wore Crocs shit. to rehearsal. Oh, shit, man. <laughs> sure, man. Um, I got mad because we had a switch and he, like, got too into it and, like, could not, in a way where... The whole point of this is you have to be into it in an acting way, but it has to be contained and it needs to be controlled. And one time during a performance, he threw that switch into the air instead of throwing it to the ground and it freaking hit my guitar player. Okay. Well. Sure. I was pissed. Anyway. Sure. In which I was like, huh? Okay. Like I, it was bad (laughs) where I was like, I'll buy you a beer. Like it was bad. Anyway. Um, sure. You can't have in scenes like that in particular, you cannot have spontaneity and you cannot have improv. It needs to be the same exact way every single time. That's why you do a fight call. Correct. Okay. Uh, so he finally gets into it, but then gets too into it and um, <laughs> taking his own frustrations out on Vendla and throws her to the ground. He is disgusted with himself because he can't believe he like lost control. He runs away. Vendla is left alone crying, but he leaves his journal, so she takes that. You know boundaries sure nothing's weird that's fine fine. um moritz has been told he's failed his final exam uh and his father reacts with disdain and contempt when moritz tells him that he will not progress in school uh rather than attempting to understand his son's pain moritz's father is only concerned with how the others in town will act and see him as the man with the son who failed uh moritz writes melchior's mother his only adult friend asking for money to help him get to america and she basically is like i can't i'm so sorry yeah. Um, and well, and he doesn't he also like smack the shit out of Moritz a bunch of yeah, times. Yeah, here's like, what I'm gonna tell you. Here's a, here's a, here's a fun story. So when we did it, our Moritz and our like adult man were father and son. Oh, that's right. I forgot about and that. And so they so they had a moment where they were like rehearsing at home and had to like a, let a neighbor know like oh no we're rehearsing for a show because he do, they this do and obviously uh you know they weren't hitting each other for real but it's that thing where a good stage like slap yeah it looks like a good stage slap especially from far away that's right so uh it was kind of one of those funny things so um sure this song is fun and then there were none is like weirdly an upbeat song for like a real sad time yeah i mean it it is weird because the back and forth happen it does sound happy it's in a major key right that's what i mean yep he's like just spiraling and it's it's really well and you of the good moritz's i have seen you see his desperation in the song in which he's like, please, I just need help. Help me, help me. Yeah. And how he kind of come, comes unraveled as it goes. Yeah. So, sure. Well, let's keep going. Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> Devastated by her refusal and feeling he has few choices left, he contemplates suicide. Yep. In a stuffy hayloft during a storm, 
Sure. Do I know that's a stuffy hayloft? Sure. We made it that, I guess. Uh, I, I think it do- they do talk about the hayloft. Sure. Yeah, they mm. do say that up there. And it is during a story. Oh, yeah. That. You're it's right. In the dialogue. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Melchior expresses his frustration about being caught between childhood and adulthood. The mirror slash blue knight. Yeah. I hate this. This is the song I hate the most. I don't hate it, uh, but I I think it it does kind of drag for it's me. Sure. It's, like it's yeah. kind of cool because it does it's different. Yes, it's a lot of color imagery in this. But sure. Anyway, uh, Venla finds him once again, telling him she wants to return his journal and apologize. And they both apologize to each other. Uh, Melchior, who's disappointed himself for the night before, urges her to leave. Venla ignores this and suggests that they run into the rain until. <laughs> get there soaked and get soaked to the skin. Uh, hey, before long, they begin to kiss. Both of them nervous. They continue to entangle themselves and then hesitate, sensing that what they're about to do is something very powerful. Um, sure, it is one of those moments where, oof, it is just that exploration piece of it, right? Yeah. Where like they are just in it, and then they're in it a little more, and then they're in it a little more, and just okay, what's happening? Um, well, I, sorry, I was reading ahead. I don't like sure. the way this is phrased Well, up I know. I'm going to paraphrase um, a little thank bit. Thank you so much. Yep. gross. Um, sure. Um, this is, and this is where we kind of get to, right? Where Melchior knows what happens next. Yeah. To a degree, though. To a certain sure, degree. he's only read about it. Sure. He's not done it. It's, exactly. She has no idea. She knows no. they're on, like, the precipice of something important happening, but does not know consequences what could happen what is about to happen and so that is the piece where you're like uh oh um so basically what ends up happening uh sure i don't like the wording you're right um (laughs) they basically uh they get to it and they basically have sex they well not basically they They do do. Uh, sorry sure not basically and here's what i my critique of this show is like the staging is very overt to the point I'll tell you where, like, what the pants are pulled down. Sure, I'm gonna tell you the Broadway staging of this with Leah Michelle and yeah. Jonathan Groff, which we would now recently learn many things about that. Yeah. But is like she is nude. He yeah. bites her nipple. Like there's it's stuff that lot. happens where you're like, whoa. For in a way where I think we've talked about this. Like in a movie, there's a sense of like. Sure, we kind of talked about this during the Jekyll and Hyde episode. It's different. Yeah. In a movie, there's a detachment where you're like, well, I'm watching something on screen that happened a hundred men. Yeah, it's it's got a nice, like, music underneath it, whatever. This is, like, happening live in front of you, yeah. which is, like, something. In which he, like, yeah, sure, get ready, listeners. This is where it's about to get graphic. Stop. No, 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 no. say it. No, no, no. Where he, like... Sure. He, like, touches her. He, yeah. like, intimates that he has, like, pulled his pants down and is getting something out. And, like, there is a moment where it is, it it's just seems very graphic. real. I, and I, my, my critique is that I think it's too much. I don't think it's necessary sure. to show people. Well, crack. I'm going like, to tell I you, in our version, it. we surely did not do that. Um, yeah, I just, I think that there's staging that I think could be. You just need to know that they have sex. More tasteful. Yeah, I mean, there's ways to communicate that point without, without, showing all of the mechanics without showing the mechanics. Sure, in which the original, they show, they show where you're like, I think he... Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they're having sex. So here's the thing. When we did this show, too, the staging for us was like, we had to sit as a cast 
around, around them. them. Sure, that's the original. And that was yes. terrible. Well, and I will tell you, too, a critique of the show that we did. She's not listening, so it's fine. But the choreographer we had had zero original ideas. And oh, so she just did the that. Entire oh. Broadway. Yeah, I'm trying to remember awful. where all our people were. They were um, on. Oh, yeah. We put them up on like a platform and then everybody was sporadically placed like on stage looking yeah. different directions because I didn't want them circled because that's weird. No, we had to circle and it was gross because I sat. I couldn't even, like, if you're sitting on the side, you can maybe not look directly. <laughs> yeah. And you can maybe focus on something else. <laughs> sure. I sat d- immediately upstage. <laughs> sure. Of, we of were like, I wish I was a real crap. ghost now. It was so weird, and I hated it so much. Sure, and you're I like, kept, I wish I was a ghost and could leave. I, like, literally wish. I, I and, and that's what I think is, like, I, I like this show, and I think it's sure. important, and the message is important, and whatever. But I do think that this scene is is written and staged the way it is for the shock value. Oh, I agree. And I don't think it's necessary. I think you can communicate well, that they have slept together without showing every thrust. Well, like I said, it's an interesting <laughs> sorry, thing. Sorry, I just said that. No, also. I agree with you. But here's what I'm going to say. In a way where it is, like, graphic, where mm-hmm. it is, like, shocking how graphic it is, where you're, like, did these two actors? Yeah. Because let's be Did real. We in, well, in most, like, let's be real. That is maybe an expectation that you have to do, like, a love scene in that way where you're, like, putting on the pasties and, like, whatever. Yeah. If you're in, like, movies or TV. But I don't think that's the expectation for most theater people that you're going to have to be, like, biting someone's breast on stage yeah. or, like, Five, doing like, any of those things. Like, right. That's the do, thing. Do you know what I mean? A like, love scene in a movie happens once. once. And exactly. you shoot it and you, you're done with it. Yeah. You have a stand-in. You have, like, a butt double butt, that comes butt, in, right? butt guy. <laughs> right. So, but that's what I mean. Like, it's an interesting thing to, like, present that. And to your point, I agree. It's a little bit of a shock because I do think there is way, there is a way. Like I said, we did that because I obviously didn't have anyone naked or, like, dropping pants on my stage. No. So, I it's an interesting it's thing. Well, and the, the fact that it's, they do this at the end of Act 1, yeah. and then you come in at the beginning of Act 1, it's this, they're doing the same thing. They just finish it. Then. Right. It's, gross i don't know well i saw this once with my family too when no, it toured, sure. and a guy i was seeing at the time and i was like I hate everything about what we're doing right now well i think here's the thing if the shock value is there because that's the whole point is like you're supposed to be shocked about the sexual awakening that's supposed to be happening great do i think it still could have been done in a different way absolutely yes. um but it is like sure i think it was one of those things where i had seen it like, listen to the music, and then I found a bootleg, which, as always, this podcast does not support bootlegs. Not at all. Um, and I was watching it, and I was like, oh, my God, are they – I think they are having sex. Like, yeah. where I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, That's gross. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I just – I don't think it. it's gross. Let's be well, clear. No, no, no. Sexual think, things are not gross, but, but doing that on stage – In front of an audience. Also, in a theater – expect to see that? In a theater in the round where you were maybe 10 feet away from it also. That's, that's gross to me. I'm sure. sorry. I'm, I'm – call me a prude, I guess, but, like, no thanks. Um, well, it's just something. It's something. Sure. Um, as you know, I don't even like seeing friends sing in a regular way in a theater, so certainly I don't want to see friends do that. No. Anyway, no. Um, sure, it's a fun time. As Melkier penetrates her? Stop. Why would you read? I told you not to do it. Well, I didn't read the other stuff. Vendela cries out, and it's the song I believe, and it's like literally climactic. Um, sure, there's a note, though. This scene was slightly softened from the show's off-Broadway one, where consent from Vendela was a bit more ambiguous. Sure, it is potentially ambiguous and non-existent yeah um in the broadway show venla gives explicit consent but doesn't do so like she doesn't understand what she's consenting to so is it really consent if you don't understand what's happening no probably so 
but that's fine. That's sure. Fine. Um, well, that is the end of. So uncomfortable talking about this show. Sure, sorry. <laughs> that's the end of Act One. We get into Act Two, and they're basically it. Kind of they like re get into it, and they're finishing their moment of confused intimacy. Um, and then they talk about what has happened, and they sing the guilty ones. Um. Sure. In the off-Broadway production, it began with a the song, There Once Was a Pirate. That's I don't know that song. I've, it's not in the show. The, the Guilty Ones is potentially better. Um, yeah, I would agree. So that is what happens with them, and then they kind of, like, slink off away from one another. Because, again, neither one of them, I think, really understands, like, what had just happened. No. It is like, oh, we did a thing. Gotta go. Like, you know. Something is Sure. Uh, Moritz, cool. having been thrown out of his home, wanders the town at dusk carrying a pistol when he comes across Ilsa, his childhood friend. Um, yeah, Ilsa. Ilsa, who implies is implied has feelings for Moritz, tells him she found refuge at an artist colony. God, and they a good monologue. It the is a good oh, monologue. It's so good. Um, and they talk about childhood memories, and it's, like, very sweet. And she invites him to come home with her and join her uh, and keep talking. And play and it's here's the thing it's this is like another heartbreaking Moritz moment because he wants to go with her so bad Mm -hmm. and he almost does and then he doesn't and you're like if he had just gone with her and she's like no come with me come on and you're like yes yes go with her wherever she's asking you to go go with her and like there is a there's a moment too where she I think has she's got this very weird understanding of something that's going on with him uh, and and right. she, I think, is, and maybe this is my own. <laughs> sure, <laughs> how you enjoy Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think she's trying to save him too. I do. I agree. No, and I, I think agree. She needs saving also because yeah. her line at the end of this scene is like, you know, by the time you finally wake up, I'm going to be laying on a trash heap. Right. And and whether it's it's because he she knows that he's going down a path or she's going down a path. No, everyone's going. No, down but a path. that's like, the tragedy of this scene is they both need each other. They're yeah. both so close. To recognizing it and helping one another, and then they don't. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that is a tragedy. They sing, Don't Do Sadness, Blue Wind, and it's, this is another one that's so good, dude. In a way where, um, I love, it's, like, very reminiscent now of, like, what we know as mashups. Like, we're two different songs, and then they kind of collide. Yeah. It's so, so good. It's such a beautiful song. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I, um, one of my biggest regrets in my life. (laughs) Yeah. stupid thing. Sure, okay. Um, we were reviewed. Um, by like one of the big like in Michigan, like the Encore, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. And so the reviewer um, called me out specifically and like wrote at least two paragraphs on how I did this scene so well. Okay, like not to brag, but like it was like really sweet. It was like if there's a, I, I remember the verbiage very clearly. Like if there's a standout among them, it's Lauren Fuller who plays Ilsa, and like he describes Ilsa a little bit, and like he talked about my voice and stuff. And I was like, holy crap! And when it came out, all my all of our friends in the show were texting me like, congratulations! Sure. Amazing. And I was like, why? <laughs> sure. And I I don't know why I didn't print out that stupid article and like f- I wish I had it framed somewhere just to be like, sure. remember that one time this was cool and you were only twenty when you did this? Like, sure. I have so many regrets about that okay well well, okay good to to (laughs) know it's not that big of a deal sure uh i I think yeah absolutely (laughs) well and like i said the heartbreak of this scene is he does realize and calls after her and she's gone and she's out and she it's too late and it's like i don't know again i would not wish this on like our listeners or anybody but like if you have ever had a moment like that where you've turned around and been like Oh, I, I just, I should have, and I didn't, and now the chance is gone. We a little bit, weirdly talking about this before the pod, but like, um, there are moments that I've had in my life where you just don't know their last moments, and you wish that you would, if I just said one thing, 
maybe it would have changed something. Maybe my life would have been different. And it's like, it's a hard thing to live with. And I'm going to tell you from experience, it's a really hard thing to live with. And you, it shapes your decision-making and like things that you maybe like, here's the thing. This is like really cliche, but people, everyone listening, tell people who you love that you love them. It's, it's just one of those things where until it happens to you and you have that regret, uh, it is, it's like a sad time, but sure. In which it's too late. He calls after her, she's gone and he kills himself. Yeah. And it's a powerful moment in the show. It's hard to watch. Um, because you have been with him in that struggle and there have been these, and the show does a really great job of painting it of ups and downs where, mm-hmm. Oh, he's got it. He's going to get it to get, oh, you know? And so you really kind of feel for him. Um, at the funeral, at his funeral, each child comes and drops a flower on his grave as Melchior laments the passing of his friend while touching on the factors that led to his death, including the way his parents treated him. And there is a moment where his father comes in and breaks down, yeah. and it's that moment of regret. If only, and he, that father will have to live with that forever. Yeah. Um, and I it's know. the song Left Behind, <clears throat> and it's beautiful. When we did this, um, I was given a lot of freedom by our fantastic director, and I felt I feel really grateful for that. Because um, I made the choice that Ilsa was going to, in the scene previous, have, like, her thing was she has a blue flower in her hair. Right. Or purple flower. I, yep. I chose purple, and she wore blue stockings, because there was some other thing in, like, part of the script that alludes to blue stockings. So, um, I had this flower, and my decision was that she didn't know. And um, she's, like, in her colony. Sure. And she hears somewhere that, like a boy in the village has killed himself and she like immediately knows it's him. Sure. And she, she like comes like running on stage yeah. and just like, and it just stumbles upon the funeral yeah. and has, and all the kids have the flowers right? and she doesn't have one. So she takes it out of her uh, hair. Nice. It was like, Oh sure, my God. Nice. Nice. Oh, nice. Nice. So sweet. <laughs> well, <laughs> if I do say so myself, but I love, that was like my favorite, like I think my favorite acting choice I've ever made. Sure. It's the song itself is this beautiful tenory, high tenory time and so it's just very haunting and very calm yeah which i think is what funerals end up being Mm -hmm. um and so and it's just really it's like it's like a it's a moment um that we move on from back at the school the schoolmaster and teacher feel they need to call attention away from words because they're freaking part of the reason they did it um sure whose death is a direct result of their actions uh they search through morris's belongings and find the sex essay that melchior wrote for him they take it and look at it as a reason to blame Moritz's death on Melchior. And although Melchior knows that he's not to blame, there's literally nothing he can do. And he gets expelled and they sing totally fucked. Oh, man. And, that, and here's the thing is, like, I think the pacing of the way it goes yes. is great. So, like, we just came off of this, you know, yeah. funeral. And and then we go into, I mean, it's still, like, spiraling plot lines, but at least we get to sing Totally Fucked, which is a great song. Sure, it's super so fun. fun. It's such a super fun song. It's, it's a banger. So um, we cut from that to Hanchen and Ernst, uh, where they talk about, sure, uh, his oh. Ernst plan to become a pastor. Hanchen is a little bit more pragmatic, uh, and they, uh, sure, they are, they kind of have this moment, they kiss... Yeah. And Ernest Ernst uh, reveals that he loves Hanchen. Well, and it's like a sweet moment. It is it's really like a weird, sweet. And they do uh, Word of Your Body reprise. It's so sweet. One of the problems, uh, I mean, one of the things that is uh, happened back in the day was like if you if you didn't have interest in women, <laughs> you yeah. became a priest. You became a priest they would, or like, you married you a beard. Yeah, yeah, or you married a beard. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Venla has become ill and her mother takes her to a, to visit a doctor. 
spoiler alert she's not ill she's pregnant um sure um sure the doctor sure while he's talking to venla he's like you're good you just have (laughs) you're just you're fine you're You're just anemic it's okay and then pulls the mother signs like she's pregnant um her mother is like obviously distraught and confronts her and venla is completely shocked because she didn't know she didn't know that that's how you became pregnant so she's like i don't even know what's happening to my body right now um and it's like this heartbreaking scene because the mother is so angry and venla is like so innocent in a way where she's just like i don't even know what you're mad about right now and it's like it's just it's so sad because Oh, it's so sad because you're like, sure, mother, it's your fault. You it's your fault. Yeah. She asked you and you didn't tell her and now she's pregnant and you have this, you know, this is a thing. Um, sure, Vendela realizes the mo- her mother lied to her about how babies are made and though she berates her mother for leaving her ignorant, her mother rejects the guilt and insists, sure, in which the mother just th- throws off the blame. Mm-hmm. Um And Gaslight. basically, sure, gaslights her. Yeah, essentially. And then Vendela and is like, tell me who the father is. Um, Venla feeling like, cause there, something happens where she's like, we'll kick you out. Something happens. I, yeah, I don't remember. Where she has dialogue. to give up a note from Melchior and, uh, sure that he sent after they consummated the relationship. And it's this sad, sad song where she thinks about her current condition and how she's like going to be with her child and she sings whispering. Yeah. I don't love this song, but it's, it's fine. It's fine. You know, <laughs> I like how like, it's fine. <clears throat> um, it's a nice song. Correct you. Sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, sure, it's the last, like, last ditch for for Vendla. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Melchior's parents argue about their son's fate. Um, they, everyone is like, the, the mom is like, I think he's fine. Like, I don't think it's his fault. Um, and then they find out about the pregnancy, and she finally is like, sure, he has to be sent away because, <laughs> sure, he's effed. And they do not tell him that Vendla's pregnant. No. Um, while he is away, Melchior and Vendler keep contact through letters delivered by Ilsa. Um, at the reform school, Melchior gets into a fight with some boys who grab a letter he has just received from Venlo and Ew, use it, don't. lose oh. it in a circle jerk. It's oh, fine. It's so gross. Um, as one of the boys reads from the letter, Melchior finally learns about Venla and her and their child and then escapes to find her. Um, and then this is sad. Meanwhile, a very terrified and clueless Venla is taken to a back alley abortionist by her mom. Boy, if only things were different from this 1890s uh german novel in which gosh good thing we all have access to abortion and health care for women's reproductive rights now anyway here we are <laughs> sure in 2022 uh Ugh. when melchior reaches town a few days later he sends a message to ilsa asking her to have venla meet him at the cemetery however um she can't because he hasn't heard she's dead yeah uh which we learn in a hot second um Sure. They sure he runs into her friends and they like don't tell him what happens either. He gets to the um sure, this is like the saddest time yeah. in which he gets to the cemetery, finds Moritz's grave, because he's like walking around looking for Venla, and is like I'm is like so excited, right? Just yeah. so excited to be with, with Venla that he, it's gonna be a different world for them. He would never let what happened to Moritz uh, happen to their child. Yeah. He is looking around the clock there's a clock sound that goes she's late he looks around he sees another grave that's fresh a brand new grave and he realizes the name on the headstone is venla's and that she's died after a botched abortion overwhelmed by shock and grief he takes a razor out with the intent to kill himself but then moritz and venla's ghosts uh pull up from their graves and they persuade him to live and they sing those you've known 
I love this song. So good. I think this trio is tremendous. Yeah. And it is full of so much emotion from all three of each characters. And I, it's such a good, this is like the epitome of an 11 o'clock number to yeah, me. Yeah, that's excellent. For three people. Yeah. Um, Which you don't normally see. Normally in 11 o'clock, it's, it's just like a belty lady alone. Just singing by herself. Lamenting Woo. that she's figured out her life. And this is like, this is not that. Um, but it's it's gorgeous. Um, we then cut to, led by Elsa, everyone assembles on stage now. In some staging, wearing modern clothes. No, oh, no, I don't like that. Oh, no. No. No, we didn't do no, that. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I like how we're like, mm, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, to sing about how although the adults may still call the shots with their uptight views, they will not last forever, and the seeds are already being planted for a new, open-minded, informed generation, and they sing the song of Purple Summer. I, okay, here's, I have, I have things to say about this last little bit. Sure. Um, again, that's, uh, while I think that that's pretty accurate, to mm-hmm. to the intention of the song, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's a very that's a well, real weird to your point. Analysis. Like that's not really what happens. <laughs> I, I mean, but, it, it is, okay. but it's it's a it's a very beautiful song yep. with a lot of be- like uh, analogous language. Like yep. it's not it's not like <laughs> that makes sure. it sound like those are the lyrics. Of the sure, song. where they're like, we will rise up, and, like, <laughs> and sure. these adults are stupid. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. Just, that's maybe it's not, not that. Uh, um, that's maybe like a. Like a director's note. Uh, no, but it is, it's a thing where I like it because everyone comes on stage and it's like a very hopeful ending to what yeah. was a pretty sad moments before. Yeah. Um, and we did it where everyone's on stage. Like Moritz and too, yeah. uh, Vendela are like ghosts on stage and they come and sing. And it's just this very united thing where you understand it's the kids of the cat, you know, like it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's a nice, it's a nice, interesting closing number where we did it. Everyone peels off. Oh, like everybody leaves until it's just I think we left just Melchior on stage and then he leaves. We did it where like <laughs> here's the thing, maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> it was a long ago. This anyway. is like uh, yeah, for me it was a very long time ago, but it's I remember this part pretty well. Um we did it where I started and uh, like a side note, like <laughs> it was frustrating for me because like you're supposed the the beginning part of this song is supposed to be very like rubato and you're supposed to just like the band is supposed to follow mm-hmm. and you're you just like sing uh my my band never followed me i don't know i was oh, like trying damn. my best and i'm not i like i have a good understanding of music and i'm good at leading musicians yeah. you know like i i can give you cues with my breath and as long as you're paying attention to what i'm doing you, it will be very easy to figure out what i'm doing sure uh and i this band never did and i think i mean that's at the the fault of the, your md probably but Meh. i don't know so it was like that was a struggle for all of us we were like is it no. okay no um but then we all kind of like stacked each other on stage and we started with everyone that survived the show sure um and then like the ghost showed up at the end yeah and then we kind of just like made a nice little picture and then sure. oh, like went away it was very nice so um yeah i yeah. think it's different interpretations we let everybody exit the stage in a way where it's just like final yeah. um this is so before sure i think before earlier i accidentally said this was in london but this is just the deaf west theater it was the broadway revival yeah uh deaf west mounted a uh, theater mounted a production directed by michael arden um, and the cast was made up of both deaf and hearing actors, and they performed the show in American Sign Language and English simultaneously. Cool. The deaf and hard of hearing actors on certain roles were paired with a hearing actor who voiced the roles, but then uh, the deaf or hard of hearing person um, signed it. And then the majority of the hearing actors were also part of the live onstage band. Oh, that's neat. Sure. And, and it's interesting because the production incorporated 
uh, aspects of oralism and deaf education to complement the themes of miscommunication, lack of proper sexual education, and the denial of voice in which, oh, I mean, listen, get into it in terms of do your own research, but the deaf community in particular is a tough one. And if you examine their treatment in this country, it is also a very weird divided place in which... Um, I'm sure we're not going to get into it, but I've I done, mean, I've had my own, I had a class in college and then I have a friend who's deaf and there's the idea of you either mainstream them where I have a friend who reads lips and who had speech therapy and you cannot tell she's deaf. And there's other places where there should be inclusion of people who do not want to do that. And yeah. it's, it's a whole thing. So I encourage you to do some, you will maybe deep dive into that some other day, but, yeah. um, the production opened in LA in the fall of 2014, um, and this is like where it's interesting where they just did a lot of kind of cool things and it transferred to the Brooke Atkinson, uh, a little bit later on Marley Matlin, Cameron Manheim, Patrick Page and Russell Harvard in the adult role. So they expanded it a little. Um, but it was the first of its kind, like yeah. taking a musical and having deaf people in it, arguably like a weird conflicting thought and feeling, but like, honestly was so cool. <laughs> There's clips of this online that I definitely think you should see, um, and it does kind of make the interpretation of it, I, I think, really cool. Yeah. Um, I will say, too, I mean, like the the idea that the adults are all played by one person or two people. Yeah. Uh, I just, this goes back to the thing I always say about my own job, where, like, when the kids are are unbearable. Sure. It's never their fault. Sure. It's just, there's always, it's always an adult. That's the um, I will tell you in my experience as well, and like a little different than yours, when I have problematic kids in my program, mm-hmm. I meet the parents and I, I go, oh, okay. Yeah. I just, I mean, it just is. Very really rarely important. does that not line up. Yeah. Yes. Very rarely. It happens, but it's rare. I just think it's an important thing to like, for like adults to understand their responsibility and, and how your choices affect I can ripple and yeah it's just so it's so important i agree um this is the show it featured ali stroker she was the first broadway performer to use a wheelchair yeah, um which i think is pretty freaking cool and like i said i think one of those things where uh i mean just like i said um she played anna Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's one of those things where I can't wait for the day where we don't talk about, like, she's the first person to do this, or this was the first person, blah, blah. I just think it will be a, a, a wonderful day when we're just like, sure, she was in it and it was awesome. Yeah. Um, this is, there's been talks, and this is, I hope not, there's been talks about um, this becoming a movie. Oh, God. In I which I'm not. just like, meh. No. I, I don't think it needs to live there. But some no. notable people who, I mean, like I said, this was really, truly um a star maker in the sense that the original often bro- original broadway cast had jonathan Groff, leah michelle can't read john gallagher jr <laughs> lauren pritchard jonathan b wright lily cooper gideon glick um skylar astin mm-hmm. phoebe stroll remy zankin kamiko glenn was in the uh first national tour uh kyle riabko christy altimore um andy mentis um you know, just people who you have, you just know, have been in it. When it Hunter Parrish. Yeah. Oh, sorry. When it no, toured in Michigan, uh, I saw it, and I saw, what's his name? Um, Craig, Ep- oh, no, sorry, Jake Epstein. Sure. Who played Craig on Degrassi. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here. saying. Um, this is, sure, this is an interesting thing. So you have people, notable swings. Uh, Jennifer Demi- 
Damiano. I can never say her name. Damiano, yeah. Thank you. Christopher Rodriguez, Matt Doyle. Yeah. Um, notable tour replacements. Matt Doyle, Jake Epstein, Christopher Wood. Yeah. Taylor Trench. Um, it's wild. It's, it just is really, truly a bunch of people who have, like, kind of come through it and are just, like, we recognize them now. We, we definitely know these people. Um, Daniel Durant, a Michigan guy, uh, was Ooh. in the Deaf West. Um, like I said, it's just really an interesting thing where you're like, damn, all right. It's a poignant. It's a poignant story. show. Yeah. I, you know, I think, um, it's, and I think, like I said, for me, it's the music. I always come back to how good the music is. It's just such a good, well-written thing where I think Duncan Sheik has tried to like get out there and do it again. And I don't think he has. Hasn't, yeah, isn't, didn't we like talk about another show he wrote the yes. music for that was, i can't like, remember what it is or something i can't remember what it is but um sure i maybe we'll try to look right now um but yeah i i, I do think my if i had to critique the music i wish there was a little bit more of it um, yeah i agree there are like long stretches of dialogue in this show that that don't have enough music and i i would like to i would you know oh, alice by heart and american psycho oh right, right right um yeah so i would like for um i would like for us to i'd like for him to have more music in the show but that's okay I, i'm fine with it i remember back in the day when it first came out i was like obsessed with the soundtrack because like it's great um and i remember it was always over too quick <laughs> sure um my favorite thing to think about this is when we did it i was working at a place and one of my like i had very nice co-workers who came to see it but we're not necessarily theater people Ooh. and my one friend brent oh, just no. kept saying your german sex show is that what we're going to this weekend <laughs> and i was like shit yeah kind of it's that is kind of what it is show, yeah. um and so fun um no i think well what's interesting is i think the show still stands up like i think it is aged fine mm-hmm. it is an interesting exploration of like adolescent sex it's like also weirdly like let's be real the debate about sexual education in schools still rages on in terms yeah. of what people know and let's be real guys know. as of like a couple years ago we had congressmen and representatives in congress yeah. who were like well i think you get pregnant in the tummy and then yeah. you can you can literally tell your body not to become pregnant that's not so like true. let's be real <laughs> where sure i read another article another oh. uh, congressman was like well women only get their period once once a year and you're like, uh-oh, oh. that's not right. Oh. And so it's, like, things like that where you're like, sure, there's a pretty good argument to be made that there should be some sort of educational piece that exists. Now, whether or not well, it's coming they're... from your home or from yeah. a school, that's a completely different argument. But, like, man, ignorance is not always going to be helpful. Well, and there are – I think it's by state. So it is, yeah. um, my my coworker, my neighbor at school is, is our health teacher. And um, she, you know – that was part of her undergrad was all about like here's here are the things you have to hit and, correct and that you are required and actually it was a, a real big deal during covid because we had one class of kids that hadn't had hadn't had taken health hadn't taken the seventh grade health curriculum oh shit so they had to do double health that oh, year gross and it was like a whole thing so um well yeah. the funny thing is like sometimes health like i recall health where you had to take it in high school and I remember being annoyed because the things that I recall from it were not any kind of sex education things, but like deodorant. Wear deodorant. Oh. Like make sure you wash every day. Like okay. things like that where I was like, uh oh, if you're in ninth grade and you don't know that yet, Yikes. it's too late. Yikes. Um Yeah, we taught I mean, I I think we started for me, like I started we started learning reproductive health in like fourth grade. Sure. Um and then from there you just got more details and more advice from there. Sure. Um and I think my my district did a very good job of being like I can't remember, and I and went to a more 
in comparison, a much more conservative district than mm-hmm. yours. Oh, yeah. Mine is pretty, pretty open. So, I mean, that maybe tells you everything you need to know. Uh, yeah. Listen, neither one of us are advocating anything. It's just one of those things where this show, I think, really highlights what you what happens when you don't have information. Yeah. Um, just in and general. <laughs> just all, well, and all the tragic really consequences easy. of these tragic characters who, if they had just been given a chance or just had some knowledge, if the not dead, had done right their job. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, not truly, dead at the end of the show. Not dead at the end of the show. Yeah, I mean, if the adults had just done what they should yeah. should be doing and yeah. been open and w- given information, absolutely, and cared for them, sure, it's true. I mean, Moritz's thing is really like is the most tragic. I think out of all him, of them, if I'm yeah. being honest. And if Vendla had someone care for her, or just like look out for her in a little, a little yeah. tiny bit of way, yeah. um, I will say this cleaned up a bunch of Tony Awards, y'all. Oh yeah, it did. Um, How in well. which, except for you, Jonathan Groff. <laughs> Well, and Leah Michelle wasn't even nominated. Sure, she so, wasn't. Um, here's the thing. Okay, real quick, let's talk yeah. Leah Michelle just because we're I, doing it. We keep alluding to this thing where she can't read, and it's not funny to make fun of people who are illiterate. Oh, uh, sure. I'm I think she maybe that. is not a nice human, and that's I, really more where my make fun of her is. Absolutely. I, I have her. I've read a lot of stuff and listened to a lot of interviews, um, from mostly from Glee, yeah. where people are like, "Yeah, no, she's pretty abusive and pretty awful generally as a person." Yeah. And not saying that people can't change, but like. Like if that's who you are then well but she's ugh. she's since like re like responded to some of the stuff and at no point has she given any indication that she's better sure or nicer or or even takes responsibility for the choices she I has agree. made and so that's where i am like really sure. not okay with it i was not okay with her being cast as fanny bryce no Funny i think Girl. nobody was i think that's stupid and the fact that it's getting so much buzz is so frustrating yeah. to me um, and so th- for those reasons, she can't fucking read. I don't care. Sure. <laughs> Get out of well, here. We pointed out earlier, we talked about it. She really has done nothing to dispel that rumor. Like no. she keeps talking around it, which is <laughs> like, I, can you believe they're saying that? And you're like, well, just read something. Yeah. Just have someone here's the like, birthday rip, card. Like have someone <laughs> rip a page out of a book and hand it to you and see what happens. Um, sure. I don't think she can read. Anyway, uh, sure. Best mu- uh, It won best musical, best book of a musical, best original score. Uh, John Gallagher Jr. won for best featured, and he was Moritz, and he yes. 100% deserved that. deserved, yeah. Uh, best direction, best choreography, best orchestrations, and best lighting design. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is pretty freaking cool. Scenic and costume nominated. Jonathan Groff nominated, but yep. didn't win, um, which is Good for him. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Nam is still great. Sure. The Revival didn't have as many uh, nominations. It did not win anything, but it did win a bunch of Ovation Awards, which sure, is... I don't know what those are, but For the Los Angeles Engagements. Uh, sure, I don't know what that is either. Um, so, I, like I said, it's a great show if you haven't heard it. Go listen to it. Um, and there are, like, a billion bootlegs online above it, um, but, like, warning, warning, graphic. Like, truly. Um, yes, extremely graphic. Sure. Especially for a stage musical. Okay. Yes. Um, so I would say out of zero awakenings. Oh God. Why? And Aaron, five awakenings. That's what you went with? You yeah. went with awakenings? How many uh, awakenings would you give the show? Four and a half. I love this show, but I think the sex on stage is, is too much. Sure. And I, I will take half an awakening away for that. I just think it's too much. I think this shock value is unnecessary and I don't know how they did it in the, in the revival. Maybe it is more tasteful, but sure, I, I don't know either. I think that, um, I think in my opinion especially when you have live people doing it on stage less is more sure uh i will give it four because i think there are pockets of like songs that i would cut and i don't like 
and I when I'm listening, I skip right past them. Um, <laughs> and mirror blue wind song. <laughs> sure, that's for sure. The one where they're like ba 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 ba, and I'm like, oh, I hate this song. Um, <laughs> what song is that? Sure, I think it's that one. I think it's the one I just said. Uh, so I would give it four. Where like I said, I think the music's dope. I think it's an interesting show. I love the size of the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the staging that I've seen uh, in the past, and you know, I think it's in that way, it's pretty great. But I do think there's like a couple things they could have tightened up and just gotten rid of mm-hmm. um, and, you know, kind of gone from there. But I will take it as it's like one of the most heartbreaking shows and like but still leaves you kind of positive at the end. It's, um, yeah, it's got a note of like happiness. Well, somewhere, I think the maybe. the endurance like it, its endurance comes from this idea that the older generation will not make all the decisions for us forever. And I do think that's something that resonates. And I see it now, like in a way where I'm always so sad for like my high school kids who are like living in this world of lockdown drills and all these things. But I also see them in a way where when I was that age, I was not active in anything that like affected my future. I wasn't going to protest. I wasn't aware of things like that happening. And so to see that generation do that now and be aware of those things and have a sensitivity to their friends and like what they're called and that inclusivity I think is awesome. Now yeah. there's still a bunch of a-holes out there cause I see that too, but sure. I think that that is less and just people are more, I know in a, like a sad way, I guess for people like more woke, but I think if being woke means you have like a sensitivity to other people's like life and their journey and what they're going through, then everybody should be woke. If you think it's some shitty political buzzword uh, that you apply to liberals because you can't get a, your own handle on your conservative outdated views, then go fuck yourself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, great. So, <laughs> uh, sure. What a, what a soapbox I just got out of the end of this one. Do you how down? Are you good? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't listen. I don't get on it very often, but I will get on it for that. Um, yeah. I would say, um, guys, if you disagree with us, let us know on all the socials oh, at boy. downstage left PC, downstage left PC at gmail.com. If you want to send us something longer. Uh, and of course at downstage left podcast.com. If you would like to visit our website that needs an overhaul by me. Um, <laughs> Very shortly. Uh, Wonderful. Thank you. And, you know, listen, I think this is... I love this show. I mean, I do love this show. I think you love this show. You obviously have, like, personal ties to it. Um, And I'm going to say... Nope. No. Sure. No. no. Well, I had one then. It was going to be... I, <laughs> I don't like where it's going. No, it was going to be inappropriate. So Thank instead, you. I will say, um, exit stage left pursued by a piano teacher. Okay. <laughs> Which we did not talk about in this episode at all. Just, just do a little digging on the piano teacher.